Welcome back to the AEC Disruptors Podcast, your platform to help push the AEC industry forward. I'm your host, Christopher Riddell, and joining me today is my co-host, Jackson Sinsat. Welcome, Jackson. Chris, how are you doing? I'm doing all right, man. I'm doing all right. Um, so, Jackson, you are a uh, 100% remote person, aren't you? Well, worker, maybe not person. Yes, I would consider myself to be about a 50% remote person and a 100% remote worker. Okay. Um, yes. <laughs> um, so, you know, our, our talk today um, was, uh, I, I had the chance of interviewing uh, Todd Wyant, and he's the director of creative marketing here at Applied Software. He's also the host of an award-winning uh, podcast, Bridging the Gap, and, and we really focused on culture. Um, in terms of innovation, but culture was kind of the beginning. And so I'm curious, you know, uh, we sort of touched on it, but I feel like in a remote world, culture is super important, but also hard to create. I mean, how do you feel, you know, being in a remote position? What is it things that you look to so that you can kind of snatch on to that, that corporate culture? Yeah, so culture to me and a company is extremely important. Um, so before I worked um, here at Applied, I worked for a construction company where, um, you know, I obviously wasn't remote um, at, at the time, you know, working remote and construction sounded crazy. But now during it's COVID, people are, people are making it work. Um, but I was used to, you know, spending a lot of time in the office with a whole cast of characters and a lot of time in the field with an even bigger cast of characters. And... Um, you know, culture wasn't really pushed, um, but there definitely was a company culture, um, whether I, you know, like the culture or not. And, um, you know, coming on to Applied and working 100% remote after dealing with, you know, several different people in person a day for years and coming into a role where I was remote, it was, it was a shock to me. Mm-hmm. Um, but one of the things that I really liked about here is even though we, I am remote, you know, there's several other people who are remote and um, apply it as a company really makes it a point to make people feel included, it's especially, you know, those who are remote who don't get to go to the office a lot. Um, I still felt like I was a part of the culture and, you know, they really push it hard here. The, uh, and I think why, one of the reasons I wanted to talk to Todd was uh, there was a focus on communication. So obviously marketing, you're, they're real big in communication and, and in a kind of a remote world, that communication is, is critically important. So, you know, here we're trying to push this innovation concept and process, um, but you being remote, if we're not continuously letting you know about it and continuously communicating updates, you know, it kind of falls apart, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah, culture and communication, those are two huge things for a company, whether the majority of your workers are remote or not. Um, it's real easy for people to be siloed off whenever they're just working from home. And, you know, most of the time that you're the only person that you see from your company face to face, especially now. I haven't I haven't been to the Atlanta office since um, our big meeting that we had uh, at the end of February, early March. Yeah. Um, and, 
even though, you know, it's been a real challenge for us during COVID, I still feel like the culture hasn't missed a beat. Mm -hmm. And maybe partly, that's partly because we all got to see each other right before all of this happened. But also it's because our marketing team and our leadership do a great job of pushing that culture week by week, starting off on Monday. And um, yeah. also um, you talk about it in the pod, the virtual happy hours that we get to do mm -hmm. and the breakout rooms. Um, the last time we did it, you know, I got to meet a handful of people who I never even spoke to before and I really enjoyed it. And, you know, the more we do things like that, even though we're remote, the tighter our culture is becoming. We, uh, you know, we, we, we focused on culture a lot in this talk because, uh, you know, obviously the overarching concept to this whole series was innovation, but to be able to foster innovation at all, you have to have that culture. You have to be able to have that culture that, you know, kind of values taking risk and values, um, uh, you know, not getting it right the first time. It was something that came up during the, the podcast, which was interesting I had found something, it was a quote, and then uh, Todd added on to it. And it was that the uh, when you're looking at culture, and we could say in terms of innovation, it, they equated it to um, raising a child, being a parent. Now, Todd was further along in his journey than I was, and I'm further along in that journey than you are. But they said, you know, it's kind of like having roots and wings, giving your children roots and wings, roots to stay grounded. Uh, so that you have that, um, whether it be in terms of uh, a business, it may be something like having budgets or having, you know, just corporate requirements or whatever that may be, but then the wings to kind of fly and dream and dream big. Mm -hmm. And then uh, Todd added on to that consistency. So if you're not consistent in your message, then it falls apart. Um, you know, as somebody that is, you know, you've started to participate in the innovation uh, you've started to participate in that journey. You know, what are your thoughts on that idea of, you know, being able to have the roots, the wings, and the consistency? So just, um, just to put this out there, when I first heard that quote, whenever I listened to this the other day, I almost wanted to cry because it was such <laughs> a beautiful quote. Um, so, you know, when it comes to raising children, uh, obviously I'm not there yet in my life, but the roots and wings quote is something I'm going to remember. In terms of um, business, um, the roots and wings quote applies as well. So for the roots, um, you know, we're just getting started on our true innovation journey here at Applied. And the fact that we have, you know, it's, it's, it's one of those things, I feel like it's almost going to be like real estate, you know. Once you get into it, um, it's going to take a while. Um, but once, once you get going, it's like a locomotive yep. and that's kind of what I feel like what we're, what we're going to have here, especially, you know, once we get through COVID. Um, so right now we're in the process of the roots mm -hmm. and we're building that culture day by day. And part of that is due to your leadership. Um, <laughs> I still don't know what I'm doing, <laughs> but thanks. But, um, you know, we're building those roots where, and also you're allowing, you know, cross-pollination. Everybody in the company has an opportunity to have input. It's not just the services team. It's not just the sales team. It's everybody. And then, you know, the more we put into the roots, the, um, you know, 
the farther we're going to be able to fly with our wings. Yep. Um, so, you know, we're, as, once we get farther down the road on our innovation journey, we're going to look back on what we've been doing, you know, these past few months. And, you know, even though it's been, you know, slow, um, you know, you, you've got to, you've, you've got to pretty much risk it to get the biscuit, I guess, when it comes to this, you've got to be able to be willing to put the time in, make the mistakes on the front end. And the more we do that, the more we learn and the quicker we're going to be able to get through this journey, um, especially post COVID. Um, it was a cool conversation. Like I said, he, uh, Todd is very knowledgeable. He, um, he couldn't help but ask me a few questions. So I felt like he really wanted to interview me more than he wanted to be interviewed, but who knows? <laughs> but well, uh, I, I guess you owe him now. I mean, are you going to have a home and home? You know, <laughs> yeah, I guess so. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> a couple of, you know, out of conference game there. Yeah. Have, have know, a nice really little was. home and home, go in there, ask your questions, you know, that you didn't get a chance to get to. <laughs> you know, moving into not having possibly college football, maybe we have to, to look at doing that. But uh, anyway, I hope you get a chance to listen and enjoy it and check back for more. I guess Construction Brothers, you sort of were interviewed. Mm-hmm. So that would be, this would be your second. Second time out the gate. Podcast. Um, is it, so it isn't weird? Slightly weird? It's weird. It's not nerve wracking. It's, it's weird not being the one uh, in control of the questions and where the conversation is going to go. Well, this is your topic, right? Marketing. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> is not know what you do? <laughs> sometimes it's debatable but (laughs) so outside of being like an okay podcast host um why don't you tell us a little bit about you know what you do and then we'll dive into actually you know what our topic is which is champion innovation with marketing sounds good so uh i am todd wine my official title is director of creative marketing at applied software and that is a fancy way to say i do a lot of fun things with marketing and branding. So, uh, you know, coming up with the different overarching strategy behind uh, uh, events and, uh, you know, email campaigns or social media or uh, content, whether that's a uh, super long form content, like a built out ebook and, and white paper, or just how to get thought leadership basically to simplify it all down. Um, uh, yeah. How do we get our thought leadership out there? And, um, yeah, and then I get to host the Bridging the Gap podcast. An award-winning podcast, Award-winning, right? yeah. Best construction podcast of 2020. Very Was cool. that the first-time nominee, right? Yeah, first-time nominee. So we started strong out the gate winning a best construction podcast. So that's uh, no pressure going forward. But <laughs> It's all downhill from there. So that's right. congratulations for <laughs> we peaking hit our peak early and, and we're good. <laughs> like peaked in high school and here you go. Um, so like in middle school right now, <laughs> you know, um, so, so you, <laughs> you, you know, so you know what the, what the theme is for, for this season. We're, we're really trying to tackle just innovation in general. Yep. Um, but one of the things that you and I've talked a little bit about, I'm not even sure we fully figured it out, but we're going to talk about it is, um, really comes around communication, um, you know, creating these communication plans, but even just 
fostering a culture for innovation. Yeah. Um, and so I want to kind of want to kick it off sort of focused on the culture aspect. And before we even talk about how to foster culture and innovation, I mean, from a marketing perspective, you sort of, or you are often tackled with doing something with a culture, right? I mean, not just mm-hmm. innovation, but whether it's um, something new we're trying to do internally, um, something new we're trying to do externally, um, a lot of that is always revolves around culture change. Mm-hmm. And so before we even looked at how we can use it for innovation, you know, what are some of the things that you've seen in the past some of the stuff you've even looked into in terms of, um, you know, how do we change culture knowing that it's a slow thing? How do we, um, how can we progress knowing that, you know, we're trying to get down the field, but then with a culture change, it's very incremental changes. Mm-hmm. Um, and so from your perspective and from a marketing perspective, how do we even start changing a culture? Uh, it, slowly. <laughs> uh, it, it's a great loaded question there. Uh, so we have culture is <laughs> perfect. Uh, Culture is huge in a, in a company, and it's it's often very overlooked. I think we need to maybe back up and start by defining what culture, a corporate culture, actually means. Yeah, and it's not just a happy hour every now and then. It's not a um, you know back in different times we we took a, a group out to go get a beer or go bowling or some group activity once a month or something. That's a part of culture and it's a event that is leading to culture, but it's not, that's not culture. And I think all too often, a lot of companies, especially in the AEC realm, they just, they have that and they go, okay, cool. Check the box. I'm good to go. We have a team bonding experience. Our culture is great. Everybody had fun. We got some cornhole boards and we play outside once <laughs> a right. month. That's right. That, that is good. I mean, it's, it's better than not doing anything, but it's just not culture. Culture is much more uh, uh, systemic throughout the, the company and should be, and should really be led by the top ideally. And it's what values are you espousing? What do you want to be known for inside the company and outside the company? You know, what is everybody really striving for? And then how is that communication really being disseminated and, um, and being embraced throughout the entire company. And that's huge to get that, the embracing part of it. Cause, um, you know, you can, you can set up some great values. You can set up some great missions. You can set up some great visions, but if nobody's bought into it, you don't actually have it and you don't have culture. Uh, so I, I think really taking the time to sit down and unpack what you want to be known for is crucial to, to building out culture. The top down, I think it's a good comment because, you know, I joked about the cornhole boards, but I've seen places where they, they got cornhole boards and ping pong tables. Cause that's what, you know, other people did. Yeah. And, um, but at the top, they would question, why are you not at your desk? Why are you not working? Oh, I was using the ping pong table. Well, you got to work. Um, right. And so you do that in your own time. <laughs> yeah. And so then in a way it's just kind of lip service, right? Right. Um, so really embracing from the top. And what's interesting, so much of these conversations I've been having around innovation, around anything, it really does start at the top, whether it's support or they're the ones actually creating the idea or pushing the idea forward. Mm. I 
I heard a quote today that I'm interested on your, um, which think they said culture holds people back from adopting new things. And, um, and in a way they looked at just culture, however you want to define that mm-hmm. is truly what can make a place be successful or not. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I, I think it's interesting. My, my first thought was actually that I don't know if I agree with it in the sense that I think culture, a good culture actually springboards you into innovation. Mm-hmm. And so if you have a, I think a bad culture is definitely a stumbling block to innovation. But if you have a good culture that is embracing diversity of thought, I think that that is really the main ingredient to innovation. I would agree. You know, I, you know, I was listening to um, a podcast this morning and they were talking about disruption mm-hmm. and that's where I got the, the, the culture line. Then they had another one, which was interesting. And this was specifically to innovation a culture of innovation and they equated it to parenting. Now you're further along in that journey than I am, but effectively what they said was um, as a parent, we, we really need to do two things, provide roots and wings, roots to keep you grounded and then wings to help you fly. And then how does that equate to a culture? Well, we need to be able to provide the roots to keep our employees, whoever grounded in terms of, you know, we do have to operate as a business. We do have to be profitable. You know, we're, we're not a not-for-profit. So there are some key tangible things that keep us grounded. But then I want to give you the wings to be able to be flexible and think about things and, and bring stuff to the table. Mm-hmm. Um, and I thought it was an interesting way to equate it because it really is, in the very beginning of creating a culture, you have to be okay with those two things. Yeah. I would add a, a third component to that. I'm going to make a stool out of this analogy. <laughs> so, you know, everyone you likes three to legs. <laughs> That's right. Uh, and the third would be consistency, especially when it made me think of it with the, the parenting analogy, because you could have the best roots in the world. You could give them all the flexibility in the world. But if you're not consistently giving both of those messaging over and over and over and over and over again, sometimes in the same second, uh, <laughs> if you don't have that consistency, it's all for not because people are going to forget it. They're going to go on to the next shiny object. And that temptation is just so easy as, as people, uh, especially in the world that we live in today with so many distractions and most people working from home, their distractions are plentiful. So mm-hmm. you have to be even more intentional and more consistent with how you're building out your culture and communicating. It's a key piece yep. communicating what that culture is because if you're not communicating it to everybody in the company, this is what we stand for. This is what we want to be. This is our ideal. We may not hit it all the time, but this is what we're striving for. Then people are going to forget and they're going to make up their own thing, especially with everybody working remote and being very easy to silo off. Their, their culture is what they are in their own home office. And so it's, you, you start coming up with hundreds of different cultures uh, instead of that one constant consistent culture remote makes it very tough um and i know you've been experiencing this because you've been challenged even before covid you know a lot of our employees work remote and we have to be able like how do we make them feel as part of the company Um, Mm -hmm. i know we're still learning but you know what are some of the things you know at its core do you think that a company should focus on 
um, when a lot of them are dispersed, a lot of them are remote because in a way we have to be innovative to survive. Like, you know, we already kind of know that. So it's easy to say, Oh, we're going to be innovative, but now I got to create a culture. Okay. Well now only 15% of my people are in the same room. It's easier mm -hmm. to build fellowship there. What are some things that we can do? We may not even know, but what are some things we can do to build fellowship when we're all dispersed? Yeah. So one of the things that I'm really proud of on how applied kind of went about building our culture is it was probably a year and a half, two years ago. We got the uh, direction from top leadership of like, this is something that we really want to focus in on. And I got tasked with, you know, what does that mean? I mean you know, what, what is our culture now and what do we want to be? Mm -hmm. And so I circled up with probably close to 10 different kinds of focus groups, really touching everybody in the company was part of it in some way, shape or form, or at least represented by whoever was in the, the focus group. And so we sat down and, and really unpacked a lot of things of, from, you know, how are you being communicated to? What do you perceive the culture is now? What do you want the culture to be? What are our values? What do you want the values to be? Uh, you know, what makes you excited to come to work? What makes you not want to come to work? And we sat down with people that were remote, people that were in the office, people that were here in Atlanta, people that were, you know, in other office locations. And what we got from that was, A, we were really intentional about how we were going about that and really making sure we got that feedback. And so it, it got that buy-in from people because when we started talking about, hey, these are our findings, it resonated with everybody because it was their thoughts, just repeat it back to them. Uh, so I, I say all that because I think it was really a, a good rollout of putting thought and attention into culture and uh, you know, just having that intentionality is, is crucial. I rambled a little bit there, uh, but I, I think it circles back to one of the thoughts that popped up in your question was what does innovation really mean? Mm -hmm. And you can't have an innovative culture unless you first define innovation because while everybody goes, well, innovation is a pretty simple word. I, I obviously I know what that means. I bet if you ask, you know, 10 people, you'll get 20 different answers on <laughs> what does innovation mean? And so it's really being clear and defining what does that mean? What do we want it to be in our culture? How do we want that to influence the culture? You know, one of our mission statements, we have a three-part mission statement and the final part is champion innovation. Okay, great. What does that mean? What, what does that mean? <laughs> yeah. Is it coming up with brand new technologies all the time? Is it coming up with new workflow? Is it, you know, is it a whole host of other things? And so it, taking the time, slow yourself down to get feedback and be intentional about it. Yeah. The, uh, the clear and conciseness, I think, is definitely what would help, especially in a remote um, environment, because I'm sure if you ask me, like, as, you know, my new role, the director of innovation, if you ask me what innovation is, I probably would give you 20 different answers depending on the day. And to some degree, that's okay, because it is kind of a, it could mean a lot, right? It depends on the situation or it depends on the, the environment. Um, but one of the things that we sort of set out with was not only creating or being innovative, um, but there is a focus internally on creating a culture that fosters innovation. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I've preached a hundred times that, you know, we can't encourage innovation and then punish failure. You know, those are the type of things that 
need to be ingrained in a culture. Um, I, again, I listened to like the best podcast for this this morning because he was talking about failure and failing and failing is okay. And that's something we really have to instill in our culture that failing is simply just learning that something didn't work, but failure is not okay because failure is when we just throw in the towel and stop and really understanding internally as you start to build that culture, that innovation, whatever you want to call that is a game of failure. You know, we've heard countless people who've been super successful in their lives that failed a bunch. Um, And then being able to instill that into our culture, I think has been something or is something that is difficult because people naturally look at failing as a bad thing. Right. Yeah. Uh, I think that that's the uh, super tricky part is how do you, how do you get people to embrace the mindset that it's not failing? It's learning something. Yep. And that's hard because it's just human nature to be risk averse and, and not want to fail or try to hide that up. And it's so just ingrained in us to mm-hmm. not talk about that or yeah. put it in the best light possible, especially, you know, coming from, from my side on marketing, I can put a positive spin on, on almost anything. <laughs> and uh, just good PR. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. Uh, my personality too plays into that even more of, of the sunny optimist. So mm-hmm. I, I, it's a, it's a blessing and a curse cause I can put the spin on it, but then I can also pick myself back up pretty quickly when something isn't working right and go, okay, well we learned from this and let's try something new. I always say my team will roll their eyes probably when they hear this podcast in this line, cause they hear me say it a lot. But uh, one of my favorite parts of marketing is that you get to try new things all the time. And if it mm-hmm. doesn't work, then you learn something that didn't work. If it works, and usually it's a surprising thing that works. Then you go, cool. I didn't know that would work that way. Let's do it. Or it works in a different way than you thought. And it's always taking the time to analyze what is going on and what's happening, what's working, what's not working and not just uh, flying kind of by your gut, um, which is something I have to work on all the time because I'm a big gut person. (laughs) Uh, So, but yeah, it's, it's taking the time to, to find those learnings. It was interesting because you just mentioned the, even like, um, it may work, but not the way you thought in a no. way. Cause when I spoke with, um, I talked to uh, Keith Besserud, he's going to be on, he was on the podcast. He's the director of innovation at Gresham Smith. And one of the things he was talking about was, you know, not being so attached to your ideas right. that you're okay with, um, uh, some of the greatest things that we use were never intended to be used the way they are. And so those like, you know, happy accidents really are just something you have to be okay with. Um, Mm -hmm. the failing not, you know, that's a tough thing because I try to preach that all the time. Like it's okay to fail. And you know, what's funny is, um, it's not funny at the time we, uh, we hung up under our deck, a, uh, a sunshade Mm -hmm. because we wanted to be able to keep some furniture that we have down there protected. And I was like, so proud of myself of this like innovative thing that was only 40 bucks that I was hooked up the first big rain. I walk outside and not only has the sunshade fallen, the column came down (laughs) and like you talk about like, Oh crap, the column, literally the columns on the ground, like arc, it's still broken. 
Um, nice. And in that moment, I like it ruined my whole day. My whole day, I was thinking about like how that was a you know stupid thing. I should have never done it. You know, it was just a bad idea. You know, I was kicking myself for failing even trying it. Yeah. Come to find out, we've had somebody look at the deck, and the deck no longer is even up to code. I've learned now that I was going to have to repair this anyway. And in fact, this kind of helped. You know, what I thought was a really big problem actually just shed some light on an issue that needed to get taken care of and kept it from being a bigger problem. Um, So I preach failure all the time, but even I can, you know, get super upset with myself when something doesn't go right. Um, And being able to be that sort of sunny optimist, it's pretty critical if you're on an innovation journey because you're going to hit a lot of failing. But again, you're really just learning. Right. Well, I love the idea of not holding your ideas too tightly because that's, I mean, that's hard, but it's Mm -hmm. crucial in being able to have that learning and growth mindset that if you hold on to your ideas so tight and so rigid that you have your blinders on and you can't see other use cases for it, you could be missing a ton of gold that you're just not paying any attention to because you're too caught up in this one tiny little feature of it. And so it's, yeah, I think that mindset of just hold it open and, and have other people around you that will speak into that because it, it, that is hard to hold it open. And it's very easy to put your blinders on and not be able to see other use cases because we're coming at it from our own perspectives. So to be able to have those different perspectives and, and voices speaking in to a particular issue, that's crucial too. Uh, because I'm a podcast host at heart here and I can't help but ask a question back. You just had <laughs> what uh what do you think is needed to be able to kind of democratize innovation throughout the company so that's not just like for you director of innovation. So that's not totally on you to be the innovative one of the company. How do you get other people to help participate? You know, it's funny So one, I'm all about dialogue, right? So you can ask questions all day. Um, No, it's funny because when I started doing research on um, innovation, right? I, you know, I got this new role and then it's like, okay, go. And and so I started doing research because I don't want to screw this up. And I've told whoever wants to listen. One of the first things I found was never hire a director or lead of innovation because it creates a bottleneck. And I'm like, oh my gosh. Ironic. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't want to be a bottleneck. I'm like researching my own position, yet I, don't, I shouldn't have it. Um, and so I don't know if I've even figured it out. But what I've tried to do is I've tried to give everyone the opportunity to ideate and mm-hmm. give ideas. You know, we're using a platform here in which I don't know if the intention was always for everyone to have access, but that's certainly what I wanted, that anyone could, could give an idea. Starting there, I felt like was a good first step because no longer is it just up to me. And in fact, I've been so busy focusing on everyone else's ideas that I actually haven't provided a single idea. And that's okay. Um, If I can help foster the others or provide some insight, because I don't know. I mean, I read, but I don't know a whole lot. Um, That was the very first thing is having a very transparent process. So everyone knows what we're doing. No matter if you're in accounting or if you're in the services side, if you're in marketing, everyone knows. Everyone has access. Everyone has equal access. Everyone can have an idea or not have an idea. That's where I've started. Now, where we're stumbling is, you know, the next steps. 
being able to pull teams together and really focusing on things. Obviously we have, you know, COVID we're dealing with, but that there's always going to be something like that. Um, but to be able to take it off of me, the biggest thing that I went to do is find a platform. It doesn't have to be anything other than just a place for people to, to kind of come together, whether it be virtually or, you know, in person and, and really just flatten it so that anyone has access. Um, is that necessarily working? I don't know. I've seen people have conversations that never would have talked before. I look at that as success. It starts to build that culture and it's something that's slow. Um, and it's going to take a long time because, you know, as we're kind of talking about the, the culture part, you know, someone the other day said something like it takes, or it's like turning a battleship with a feather. I mean, in a way, <laughs> cult, changing cultures like that, because most people don't want to change. Now try to change the collective, you know, this huge group of people, right. um, you know, you and I, we've started talking about things from a communication standpoint, which I think, you know, I want to get into. I'm sure we haven't communicated well enough yet to, to everyone. The, the consistency is something that we have to get better about. Sure. People are like, oh man, oh, that's right. We have a director of innovation. I wonder what he's doing. If that runs through somebody's mind, we're, you know, we're, we're not doing a good job. The AEC Disruptors podcast is brought to you by Applied Software. With solutions for the modern project, Applied Software is on a mission to transform industries by empowering clients and champion innovation with real-world expert consultants. Their comprehensive array of solutions for the AEC, MEP, and manufacturing has a singular focus, helping you achieve higher performance. With software, training, support, consulting, and custom development, Applied Software has you covered. Visit asti.com and let them know we sent you. Yeah. Have you, yeah. Uh, how have you reacted to all the fear or like coming over the fear of people of if I give an idea, if I, if I throw something out there, then they're going to expect me to have the answer for it and solution you know. and have it all perfectly worked out. That one's interesting. How are you interviewing me? Um, <laughs> I told you I'm a podcast host at heart, so I, I can't help it. I'll, I'll stop after this. <laughs> no, no, that's fine. Like I said, I, I enjoy the dialogue. No, you know, that one's tough because I didn't even think that that was an issue. You know, we talk about a, how do we create a culture. I never thought I needed to communicate with you that your idea doesn't have, you don't have to take your idea across the finish line. Mm -hmm. I just assume like, of course you don't have to, right? I could give an idea on accounting. I don't know anything about accounting, but I have an idea. Um, and so I have failed and really maybe not even, I have not succeeded yet in really communicating that it's, you don't have to be the champion of your own idea. You know, you may want to, um, I think it all is going to tie into the communication. You know, we need this clear communication plan. How are we going to communicate consistently and I, if I had to do it over, I think the first thing I would have said was you, uh, you can have a great idea and it could just stop right there. I might ask you a question like, what did you mean by this? You know, what was the intent? Um, but I, you know, I don't want anyone to ever be fearful of giving an idea that at the risk of, oh, I, I don't have time to work on this or I don't want to work on this. 
you know, and it, it's, it kind of goes to culture. It goes to communication. Uh, something else that came out of a interview I just did with Keith, something that we haven't even, you know, a lot of firms haven't tackled is like the idea of IP. You know, I went to a school where um, any idea you had was owned by the university. That's a pretty common thing in the corporate world. But how does that culture keep you as an employee from giving a really great idea? You know, it's kind of a one-sided thing. And I think it's a thing that we have to tackle. And anyone trying to develop a culture of innovation has to ask themselves, are some of these rules that we've been used to following for so long, this, you know, corporate governance, does it actually facilitate the culture of innovation? Or do I say, I own every idea you have, you're not going to give me the best ones. You might take the best ones and, you know, sell them somewhere else. Um, so, you know, why I wanted to talk to you from a marketing perspective is all of what I just described was my failure to communicate how we want to do something, you know? Um, so I turn back to you and say, maybe not just innovation, but in general, especially with firms that are remote or not remote, how do we effectively communicate so that everyone feels like they're hearing it straight from, you know, where it came from. They're not hearing it from somebody else and that they always feel like they've been in the loop. You know, what are the, some of the things, and again, maybe not for innovation, but in general, have you done here or in past experiences to help convey whatever it is we're doing? Yeah. Uh, caveat, we haven't always done this perfect by any stretch of the imagination, Nothing's but I think we're perfect. getting better at it. <laughs> uh, also, one of the, I'm going to unpack your answer in just a second, but I'm going to go if on. If you ask me detour. one more question. <laughs> no, uh, go for it. One of the things that was rattling around in my mind while you were talking is the, the need for trust in the different departments because people aren't going to contribute ideas unless they feel like it's a kind of a, a safe place and they feel comfortable that A, their idea is going to get a fair shake and that the person with the, the ideas are coming to is really going to take the time to read them, hear them out and figure out, you know, what's going on there and trying to unpack that a bit more. And to get back on the rails of your question, I think that sets a foundation for being able to communicate because if people don't feel like they are trusted, they don't feel valued then you could have the greatest communication plan in the world. You could have the most consistent communication plan in the world, but without feeling trusted and valued, they're not paying attention to you. Yep. And so you have to build that first before you can even begin to think about how you're going to communicate to them. Mm -hmm. And that makes communication so much simpler when people feel heard. And so that's a big thing that we've at Applied have been working on over the last couple of years is how do we provide those forums for people to feel heard. And it definitely is tricky with a lot of people remote. It's definitely tricky as the company grows bigger. It was a lot easier when we were, uh, you know, 50 employees and under to mm -hmm. have people feel heard and roll those ideas up than when we're 150 and growing. Uh, so that all is uh, different dynamics of wrinkles or, or complications there. But what we do that I think is, has value, uh, is each month 
we have the leadership team come together and give pretty honest insights into where the company is financially, what we're doing. That's our time to update on our goals, where we are tracking against them. If we're ahead of them, if we're not be, uh, uh, you know, on track for them. And then we can talk about, well, what are we going to do to unpack that? Now, you know, we have an hour a month. So do we cover every single thing possible? No. Um, but it, those are, are really set and designed to kind of start those conversations so that then all the managers and teams can get together and kind of unpack them more. Mm-hmm. Whether that happens every single month of, you know, the teams getting together and unpacking what was talked about on all hands. Probably not perfectly every single month. Uh, but at least it gives visibility into top leadership that they, the whole company can see them. They all are getting the same information at the exact same time and they all have access to that. And I think being as transparent as you can be is crucial because people will start to trust in that transparency and they really do appreciate that. I get notes every single month that we do it of, wow, thank you so much for giving this information. It's really cool that Applied is willing to share some financial information with the mm-hmm. whole company and or where the strategic vision is coming from. Um, so I, I think those are, are really key. I think where we can uh, up the ante more is developing those personal connections across departments. So I think there's some individual departments that are doing great. And there's a lot of team cohesion within that department, but do they talk to, you know, a department that's totally not related to anything that they do? Probably not. No, I think one of the benefits of COVID and working remotely is that it forced a lot of people on even playing field. Mm -hmm. One of the divides that we had in the company here internally was the people in the office versus the remote employees. And the people in the office felt more connected, got more communication because they were here in the office. They were here in the hub. They could hear things, those natural conversations that happen when you walk by somebody's desk were able to take place. On the whole C-suites in the office. So you immediately feel like you get more attention than elsewhere. Right. Even if you don't never talk to them, (laughs) you can go a whole couple weeks without talking to them, but you're seeing their face. And so in your, your mind is tricking you that you're closer than what you maybe are, or you've had more communication than what you really have had. Uh, with everybody being remote, it's forced everybody to think in a different way of how do we overcome this? I, I think one of the cool things that we've done, I know I knocked happy hours at the beginning of this, but uh, we, we, we started a, <laughs> a virtual happy hour that has been really fun for me uh, in that you're able to see these people that you know probably have never met each other or definitely have don't talk to each other consistently and they get to interact and know each other as people. And, yep. you know, we, we throw out different icebreaker questions and have breakout rooms where it's smaller conversations. So you're interacting with four or five people and then we switch it around. So you, you're really getting a flavor for people that you would never talk to. And I think that that is, that's huge. Cause if you're here in, in an office, that's going to come organically and naturally to, mm-hmm see and interact with people, you know, bumping into them in the break room that I'm going to see people in accounting that I'm probably wouldn't talk to uh, yeah. in my day-to-day marketing role. And so it's, 
Yeah, I, I think that that's huge. So anytime that you can get more cross-pollination and interaction, and that's what's cool with your innovation platform, that you know you said that you see those conversations happening in the the digital realm around certain ideas. Mm-hmm. I think that's huge. The more we can do that and incorporate that thought mentality across everything that we do, that's when we really start to see the culture shift pretty quickly. Um, creating, you know, when I was doing a bunch of research on say forming of teams around innovation, everything was just what, as you just described is being very, um, having diversity mm-hmm. because sometimes I think, you know, what you may perceive as like the dumbest question ever is enlightening to the person that's the expert. Um, I've, I've been in other meetings before, or I've seen others who they didn't have any clue what the subject matter was. They were there for, you know, whatever reason. Um, but they would ask questions that were so like, it was just straight to the point, very basic one-on-one type of questions. But what happens is, you know, I do something over and over and over and over again, and I forget why I'm even doing it. Or I've gotten so ingrained in how to do something that I'm just doing it. So somebody asked me like the simplest question that maybe I came up with an answer five years ago. And all of a sudden I'm like, dang, I don't, I don't know why I do that. Um, you know, maybe I need to, maybe I need to change. And so having those different groups of people in the room is so critical. Uh, I do, I do like the comment about how COVID in a way has balanced or level the playing field in terms of who we see or meet. I've actually enjoyed, you know, I, I know people have their opinions on kids or dogs or whatever coming in or door, but I've enjoyed it. I've been in calls mm-hmm. before with people that I only know in a professional setting. And then their like daughter runs up and it doesn't offend me. In fact, I, I look at it as a way to look inside a little bit into what they like or don't like, you know, oh, yeah. um, seeing their dog or, you know, whoever it may be, um, it, it takes away a little bit of like that, you know, we're all a little different at work, whether we want to admit it or not. Sure. And now you're seeing a, a more real version of ourselves. Um, and I think what that does is it makes us more comfortable with each other. You know, I see like, uh, I had a conversation with Kevin. Um, he's the VP of services and his uh, daughter ran in the room and I just happened to be holding my little girl who at the time may have been two months. Well, I haven't been here long enough to even know Kevin had a daughter, um, had never seen a picture of her. And then her, his daughter is like talking to my little girl, you know, stuff that would have never happened. Yeah. In the, and and it, I, it all kind of goes back to just being a little more comfortable. And, sure. you know, this whole talk really is around culture because I, like you said, you could come up with a million great ideas. Uh, we can come up with the best communication plan, but if people don't think that their idea is going to go anywhere, um, you know, they're, they're not going to want to contribute. And my fear has been in a way because of, you know, circumstances, maybe we've stalled a little bit more than I would have liked or anticipated. We can't lose sight of the fact that we are headed on a journey. And maybe right now we're not exactly where we want to get or where we want to go, just because, you know, there's like some bumps in the road doesn't mean that we're still not headed where we, where we planned. And so, you know, one thing we need to communicate internally is even if we do meet these sort of, you know, trials and tribulations, it doesn't mean that it has no meaning. It doesn't mean that your idea is going to go unnoticed. Mm-hmm. You may go unnoticed for a month, but it's still there. We still have it. 
you know, um, mm. and, and it all goes to, to how we communicate and, uh, and trust. And trust is not something I thought about a whole lot until now um, of how to really change a culture. Yeah. I w- want to touch on something that you, you mentioned a couple of minutes ago about diversity in, in thought. You know, nothing is super black and white. <laughs> Everything has shades of, of nuances. Mm-hmm. And I've always known that and, and thought that, but really through hosting Bridging the Gap, I, I've seen that more in that I can nice, be having- Nice plug. I like that. Yeah. Thanks. It was, I thought it was pretty your, subtle. But you, do you want to go ahead and give your website? Com, no. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, go ahead and give your pod. Go ahead and give your website. Uh, but anyway, I, I, I find it really fascinating because I can have the same, basically what I think is going to be the same conversation with pretty similar guests on paper. And yet they are coming at it from radically different perspectives mm-hmm. and they have different nuances that they're talking about. And they, the conversation goes in a totally different way and puts a whole new light on whatever topic that we're talking about. And it's always fascinating to me that you can have the same basic words, the same basic concepts, but come to very different conclusions or even similar conclusions, but it's different shades of it. And they're both right. They both have value and they both have, uh, you know, a lot of worth there, but you got to be able to see that full picture if you're stuck on just one perspective and you're seeing it through one lens, you are missing a great big world out there. Oh, yeah. And you're doing yourself a big disservice. You know, I joke that I'm very informal, but part of the reason, like when I started doing these, you know, I did a bunch of research on how to do those too. And I was like, I don't really, I want to have more of the conversation. And I don't even really want to give you any questions or even let you know there's any questions because might have some overarching topics so that I don't start talking about your dog for the whole time, but I don't want to like add any of my like preconceived notions into the conversation to begin with. You know, if I came up with a list of 10 questions, those are my 10 questions. They're not yours. I'm going to ask you these 10 questions and you may be able to guide the conversation, but I'm still dictating it. And so by keeping things informal, having a looser structure around these talks or meetings in general, it does sort of help the, the people, the subject matter experts or whoever really give their perspective. So I'm not like asking you a very pointed, like, you know, do you, does HubSpot work very well? (laughs) And then, you know, you're going to answer that question, but I don't care about that. What really, what I want to know is, you know, what is the idea of tracking data? You know, that might be the question. Um, it is amazing how people's perspectives on the same topic can be totally different. Yep. And that's for good. Sure. Um, you know, kind of as we wrap up here, uh, and again, you know, we, we've talked about this for a little bit here and we're still figuring it out specifically in innovation. You know, what are some of the things like if, if we say communication is critical mm-hmm. and we're talking specifically now to innovation, what are some tips? And maybe this is more for me than anything else, but what are some things that we could do or should do to continue to let everyone know that what they're doing has meaning, what we're doing has meaning, and we're all kind of, you know, in this journey together. Yeah. I, I think it starts by communicating what that meaning is supposed to be. So what do you want that meaning to be? And it's, and really getting specific 
on that. So what is the destination? Paint them a picture. If you can paint that picture and make it compelling, uh, then people are more likely to follow you on that journey. And then it's repeating that vision over and over with that consistency that we've talked about. So having a regularly scheduled cadence of when you're going to be communicating to them. People like to know when they can expect information and then live up to that. If you say you're going to send out something, you know, at two o'clock every Wednesday, then make sure every two o'clock, uh, make sure every Wednesday at two o'clock, I can use English. Well, uh, <laughs> you are sending that out at the exact same time that you said you're going to, because that builds the trust and credibility mm-hmm. and has, lets people have faith in that. So get a schedule, get consistent with it, communicate that schedule so people can hold you accountable to it and then share the vision every single time that you're talking about it. As the more you can bring some fun and kind of lightheartedness, you know, gamification is huge. So the more you can gamify something and have a leaderboard or, um, you know, reward somebody for going out of their way or above and beyond what they were supposed to do and call those success stories out and roll that into your communication as well. That's huge. Um, so yeah, I, short answer is build a vision get a communication cadence and then stick to it and then share success stories. That's a a perfect way to wrap up. Um, I appreciate you joining since you are a super busy podcast host. (laughs) Something like that. (laughs) Do you want to give for real your, uh, your website, how people can find you? Yeah, sure. So the podcast is bridging the gap. We are on LinkedIn you can find us there. Just search Bridging the Gap Podcast. And then uh, the website is bridgingthegappod.com. And we focus in on innovation from construction and an MEP point of view. So what is is going on on the technology front, but more importantly, what's going on on the, the macro high level trends in construction and MEP. So that we talk anywhere from, you know, how, how do you build culture? How do you build... Uh, greater communication between the office and the field? How do you, you know, leverage technology? Who are the innovators and movers in that space that are, are doing that? I'm, I'm much more interested in the, the person behind the innovation than necessarily the, what they uh, did. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I yeah. think their stories are, are much more meaningful and impactful. So we cover a, a whole range of, of issues and we're not afraid to even tackle some of the taboo topics of like mental health and I like that one. How do you, thanks. Yeah. How how does culture need to play an impact in that? And how do we, how do we innovate just in general across the board? Um, So yeah, that's uh, that's bridging the gap. Well, thanks for, uh, thanks for letting me bother you on this one. Thanks for listening to the AEC disruptors podcast. Enjoyed this episode, leave us a rating or review while sharing with your friends and coworkers. I'd love to hear from you. Send me a LinkedIn request or follow our LinkedIn page and let me know if there's a topic you'd like to hear. You can listen to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Thanks for listening. The AEC Disruptors is directed by Christopher Riddell, produced by Todd Wyant, edited by Eric Daniel, and co-hosted by Jackson Sensat. The AEC Disruptors is an applied software production. Copyright Applied Software 2020.